0: Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, we will be discussing working from home, how to get the best out of people working remotely. Today, I'm joined by Romy, Anders, Julius and Victor. If we could do some short introductions, that would be brilliant. Uh, Anders, do you want to go first?
1: Sure. Um, My name is Anders Gyllenberg. I've been working in the gaming industry since 2002. Started at DICE back in that day as a producer uh, since then I worked on basically every Battlefield created up until after Battlefield 4 and that's also sometime around there where we got the uh, Star Wars license and so that was a good opportunity to cross something off the bucket list um, and continued working at DICE uh, as a senior producer up, yeah until we left 2016 when we started our own company me and three other Co founders. And uh, so we're coming up close to the five year anniversary for Fall Damage, which feels quite amazing, actually. That, that's, that's short about me.
0: Brilliant. Victor?
1: Yes.
2: So my name is Victor Alanson. I've been around now in gaming and esports, primarily um, tournament operations, broadcasting, what have you, um, for about six years now. Um, so the last two years, I've been a challenger mode, both as an esports project manager, but also um, as a partnerships manager. Um, so what I do mostly day to day is I, I onboard organizers onto the platform challenger mode. So we're effectively a tool that allows organizers to to host better, more effective, easier competitions in in gaming. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what I do. Excellent, uh, Julius.
3: Sure. Hi, I'm Julius Fonda. I'm an associate producer at Avalanche Studios, currently working on a project called A Second Extinction, which has been in early access for about a year now. And before my time at Avalanche, I worked at Ubisoft for four years on titles like Trials Rising, Steep, and Trials of the Blood Dragon. Before that, I was a student in Finland studying game production. So I've been working in game production now for about six years.
0: Excellent. And uh, last but not least, uh, Romy.
4: Hi, my name's Romy. Um, I'm an Aussie, and I've been working in the video games industry as a producer for 15 years. I'm currently working at Star Stable Online, but I've worked at other companies, including Dice and Rovio. My experience has been very broad, from startup companies to AAA companies on a variety of platforms, including mobile, um, PC... Um, I've done things including AR and VR, and I just love really making games. One of my favourite things is Indies, Indies hard-ups especially.
0: Brilliant. Thank you for your introduction, everyone. Really appreciate that. Um, So we've got some really interesting topics uh, of conversation and questions to come up on this one. Uh, So let's get right into it. Um, So we're going to jump to Victor for your uh, statement slash question first and foremost. Indeed.
2: Um, so uh, I wanted to bring up both the kind of work-life balance topic, and I think that's something that certainly everyone's experienced and uh, maybe even battled a bit with. I know I have uh, as soon as we went into the, the pandemic, so to speak, um, especially in gaming Um eSports, where we're all mostly by our computers or we're in meetings, usually online by our computers. And I think the, the kind of area uh, the I guess normally some of us might also be pretty bad at actually compartmentalizing and actually keeping work is work, you know, instead of going from work, which is the hopefully pretty fun screen, to home, which is hopefully also the fun screen, but a slightly different one. Uh, so for me, the, these two just like melded together. Like I was either working, you know, ten hour days, or I was not getting anything done, and kind of. Really went jumped between the two, um, and um, as such, you know, the topic of working from home isn't. Uh, I mean, it it is quite polarizing. Um, I know certain employers really don't want um, employees to work from home; they might feel a lack of control, but also the fact that productivity might go down. Others, you know, wholeheartedly embrace it, um, and even, you know, even like cancel leases for offices, saying actually we're going full remote, and 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 go full, like full on um, in that kind of sense. Um, so employers have had to take a stance on, do we want to go remote? Do we want to have a hybrid solution? Are we actually not gonna allow people working from home? However, you would do that nowadays. Um, so yeah, my point that I wanted to make and also have um, all of these very experienced people discuss too is um, you know the kind of paradigm shift that people are gonna be working from home. Even an article in the BBC, I read like, like 15 minutes ago literally stated that most workers aren't even expecting full-time return to the office um so yeah that's that's what i wanted to talk about jump in. yeah
1: yeah but i think it's interesting is and i think the key the key challenge in especially in 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 the work we do which is close to our hobbies is to at least as managers or or whoever is senior enough is to monitor your co-workers and colleagues to to comp- to make as you say compartmentalize between work and 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 uh, uh, free time uh, and I think the biggest challenge we have is that, that if you don't turn off work uh, when you worked at the office 100% and you got an idea of shit. This is how I'm going to fix it. You had to wait to the day after uh, now it's oh, easy to just snuck over to the computer and just start working on it. And then suddenly two more hours has gone. Uh, so I think it, it's it's mainly, um, it's it's definitely a personal thing that everybody needs to take responsibility. But it's it's also important as culture bearers at the office to know how you limit that. Because it's also, I guess, um, it's also uh, enticing as a manager to just let people go. I mean, it's perfect. They are unhappy, aren't they? Just let them work a bit more, and and that's that's uh, that's the red pill that's going to hit you in the end when you realize everything goes south. Uh, you have overworked people, or etc. So I think that's an interesting thing, and it's a, it's a big responsibility on the managers to solve. That's it.
4: I agree with that completely. Like one of the main tasks that I have to do or just one of the things that comes instinctively to me is just having a close relationship with the people that I'm working with so I can monitor and see how they're doing. Are they energized or are they stressed out? And that has a huge impact on productivity, but it's also the kind of environment that we want to create with the people that we're working with. We want to be at our best and want to perform at our best and not being able to take breaks. I mean, that's something that I know myself as somebody who has pretty much undiagnosed, but ADHD, Um, I can really work myself really thin and being at home does have that, you know, I can always be on my phone, I can always be on my computer and jump on. Um, So you're constantly juggling things going from, well, for me as a, a mother as well, and the household things that we have all around us, how do you manage that? How do you balance that when you're not actually having that physical break to go into the office? And when you don't have colleagues around you, who can see you and check on you you know, if we have our video cameras off and we're all in our own little worlds doing our own little part of the, you know, except for maybe when we get together for meetings, it's going to be a little bit harder to, to be able to check in with people.
3: Uh, Julius here, I, I agree with, with all of that. I think it's important to highlight to the whole team that what we're doing is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And as such, we have to pace ourselves. Because if we keep going at full blast all the time we're not going to make it through the marathon because making games is a it's a multi-year process usually for one project and can take even you know many many years for a single project to go on and we have to pace ourselves we have to make sure that even though we want to work more we have to have that discipline to not push ourselves over our limits and I think it's important also to emphasize to people you know like i don't have my work emails or anything work related on my phone i don't and i I also emphasize that to the team like don't have the work email on your phone don't have slack on your phone i try to emphasize them that don't do it because most likely there there's no need for that most likely whenever you think like oh i need to respond to this thing right now probably it can wait for the next morning most likely and trying to find practical ways to kind of compartmentalize your workspace and your private space if it's at all possible i know that for many people it's not possible because when they shifted to work from home they hadn't built up their home to be like well i have a an office space and then i have my my casual space so they can often blend in together but trying to find simple ways like okay Let's say you have like two profiles on your computer. One is for work and one is for leisure, so that whenever you're in the leisure part of your computer, at least you don't get bombarded with work related stuff that can pull you in. Trying to find practicalities like that to create those boundaries. And then if we see people stepping over those boundaries, I think we should also let them know like, hey, you shouldn't, you don't need to do this and you shouldn't be doing this because we're in it for the long run.
4: In addition to that, as well, like that's an excellent tip. But I also know that as managers or leaders ourselves, it's really important that we also set a good example. And I can I've made this mistake before where I've been really switched on at like 1 a.m. in the morning. So I'm responding to emails and then I'm at the same time telling my other people, you know, don't work on the weekend. (laughs) Don't work after hours. You know, I want to be able to trust everybody to work when it suits them. We're all adults here. Um, but I also need to know that if you're in a, you know, a leadership position, you're in a position of power of any sort, you can really be influencing people without meaning to by how you're acting and how you're behaving as part of the cultural way that we, you know, work with each other. And um, so I think it's important that we don't, one little tip there is to, if you really have to work at 1am in the morning or when it hits you, you can schedule your email so it doesn't actually send until the morning.
1: Same yeah, goes, uh, actually yeah. for Slack, you can do that as well. So basically all of the tools you can schedule messaging. So the, it's, it's more in uh, the mindset uh, on, your, on your own, so yeah. to speak, which is always
2: yeah. um, I also want to add that I think that one of the biggest problems here um, is the expectation management, the idea that, that I'm going to be available because I'm going to be home because I cannot be anywhere else. Uh, especially now, of course, during the pandemic, that's exacerbated. We're like really, it's just been brought. Um, I think to to kind of it's 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 peak. Uh, it was already quite bad, and I still think it's quite bad. People are expecting responses on asynchronous work tools like Slack, like email. You know that they're there to to exist as as tools, not the single source of truth. Everything I need, you. I see you online now. You know, give me feedback, um, and. If, I mean, honestly, even for myself personally, if I know that my colleague is in the office and I tap to them on Slack, I know that I can just walk over there. Should I? Probably not. But like, you know, the still allowing people to have their focus time, to be able to be productive in their own sense, um, it, it has become more difficult to respect. Um, so boundaries are, as, as you mentioned as well earlier, um, really, really, really important in the digital era. It's going to be even more important later on too.
4: I think another aspect that taps into that is how urgent or how important things really are when we're working. I remember back in the office, we would sometimes have coders who would put on their headphones as a sign of please don't interrupt me right now. I'm working. And I know where this sense of urgency and things being really important can come from, especially when we're working in large organizations. Um, I've been working as a lead producer at Star Stable Online, which is a big MMO, and it's really complex. There is a lot going on, and everybody's work is touching everyone else's, a lot of dependencies. And if we don't try to push to get answers straight away, it can really knock on and have this big delay sort of effect. But I don't think the solution is necessarily expecting everything to happen now. I think when things feel urgent and they aren't really, it might be a matter of, are we really making the right priorities? Are we being, you know, making the right decisions about what we need to focus on and when it needs to be out? Are we trying to do too much? That's often the thing. We're always trying to do so much and it's so hard to go, you know what? We don't have that capacity. It takes time. It is complex. And it's a bit of a balance there about how much you're delivering versus how you do it in an effective manner. Because sometimes trying to do more makes things really, really ineffective as well.
0: Yeah, brilliant points, brilliant points. Um, Anders, can we come to you for your statement and question next?
1: Yeah, I mean, one part of, we switched over quite early to work from home during the pandemic. And uh, uh, what we, our plan or what we wanted to do quite quickly was to sort of mimic as much as the office as possible. I mean, to have the same routines, to have, have meeting rooms on Discord, which is sort of, you can't just barge in there because you see them online. So if people are in there, they have the meeting room and um, but also ensuring that the physical sort of world needs to be represented in a way because as we mentioned being in the office or being meeting people is not not necessary but it's a good way to keep track of how people are feeling and and also getting that extra social layer and and uh, it's easy that when we're online we only focus on work but if you're in an office you get those five minutes by the coffee machine breaks or You go out for lunch together or you just run into each other in the corridor or go take a workout together those kind of and and they're not planned that's the thing they are um, just happening and and we try to it's important to try to find those places as well even if it's sort of organized so but we you can put up channels which are more uh, more um, more social or no requirements or work in it. So you're actually trying to mimic as much as it goes, even if it's a challenge. And the same goes for work. I mean, there are a lot of screen sharing things. I mean, a, a, a big way of us making games is that we actually point at screens, sharing uh, information together with each other. And uh, those are fairly easy to do now with streaming technology. just need to make sure you get the good ones. So you can read what it says on the screen. But having all those kind of things that, that work on in an office, to get us over and that worked better than we ever hoped so uh, i would say we had basically zero uh, production loss or velocity loss or whatever we call it uh go so now it's more trying to find those ways of getting everything except work working uh, in a hybrid solution more or less so it's always interesting to see how others see about it and i mean we have our ways how we think we should do it but they're always new learnings of course so it's it's interesting to hear what the rest of you have to say about it
3: and julius here and there's just one question how big is your team
1: the uh, we're about 50
3: so. okay
2: cool um i'll i'll hop in then uh victor here so i think it's it it's really interesting that you're mentioning that you know you've kind of sorted down the the productivity part um, so that's all good, but now you're focusing on, on something that is seemingly equally important, which is the office culture and the fact that people should be happy and healthy, which will ensure, once again, <laughs> the first, um, and they're not in any way mutually exclusive. You have to kind of have both, uh, or rather, you don't even have to ha- kind of have to have both. You really do have to have both. Um, so as um, you know, an employer, I think that's, that's wonderful. Um, and that you're prioritizing that. And I think more employers would do well doing that too.
4: I agree. Um, One of the things that I'm really interested in hearing about from you guys is the facilitation of workshops where you have this sort of hybrid setup where some of the people are in the office and some of the people are coming in from online online. And it's a little bit different to sort of like just this sort of presentation where everyone can watch the same presenter sharing information to you, because in this one, it's requiring interactivity. And you've got some people sitting around and they're working with post-it notes and whiteboards, and you've got some that are sort of more passive, and they're all calling in from their remote locations um, using online tools, maybe Mirror, for example. Um, Yeah, have you guys had any experience with running these workshops and how you incorporate people who are working from home? into
1: them. So, yeah. So ju- actually, Sorry. I, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you first.
3: Okay. Julia is here. I'll go first. Uh, I've actually found that workshops are better if they're so that everyone is online or that everyone is on location. I find it difficult to have it split because usually location uh, audio is bad. So because of the way that workshops are handled people are really spread out and if you want to have a mic that can pick up everyone it's going to sound horrible so the people who are joining in online are going to have a subpar experience already because of that because people pay a lot of attention to audio i don't think people understand how much people pay attention to audio like if you make youtube videos the most important thing is not video it's audio Audio is the most important thing because people really pay attention to it. So I have found it that it's a lot easier to have like one or the other. Mixing the two makes it really difficult. We we had this before the pandemic because some of our team members are located in Stockholm and we're in Malmö. So we would have meetings where we're in a meeting room and then we have three to five people join from Stockholm or like one to five people. And it was always difficult because the, the conference room audio is just not great. It's echoey. It, some people, someone's sitting very far from the mic and they can't hear them well. And especially if we're trying to do something interactive, it's it, it's just a barrier there. Was like, oh, can you move that for me? And it just, yeah, I would rather just like have it fully online at that point. If there's some some people who are online, just make it fully online. Even if everyone's at their desk, I feel like it's going to be a better experience because we have the the tools like Miro and whatnot where we can simulate stuff like like post-it notes, putting on a board. There, like we have very good tools for that now. So, I feel like at that point, just have it either everyone on location or everyone online.
1: Yeah, Anders here. I mean, that's basically mirroring what I was about to say anyway. It says we, have, we found the same way that if we should be able to move to a hybrid solution or uh, allowing people work from home indefinitely, uh, we need to sort of keep as much of the learnings we had during the pandemic and keep that going on forward just as Julius mentioned um, and it works really well I would say is that that because the first of all we all, we already have tried it now for the everlasting pandemic uh, so it and it proven works fine and uh, and it also gives you um, everybody sees the same thing. you also get to keep it much easier than when you're used to a physical whiteboard which tends to get overwritten or smudged. And and uh, and then also to tap into how we work and everybody has headsets. It's the, like the opposite that you mentioned, Romeo, of coders put on or people put on their headphones to be alone. Now it's the opposite. People remove their headphones to to get away from and get their own and get their own uh, focus time, so to speak. There are ways to to work around those potential uh, traps where you're always online or or it's it's you always have headphones on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So so, but yeah. Keeping it digital has, I think, also helped many, because that gives you... doesn't matter if you have to work from home, because whatever reason you have that specific day, you can always participate. So it's interesting
2: think that um, as a part of this too, the employers kind of have a responsibility to uh, also make sure that you have physical tools like good microphones, like audio setups in general, like imaging tools. You don't just show up there with the standard Logitech G, sorry, C922 microphone, it's going to echo all, like, you know, everyone hates poor conference audio. I think it's one of my biggest pet peeves. So what did we do? Had a Hack Week project, now it's sorted. Is it perfect? No, and I don't think it ever could be, but it is far better now and still kind of helps us um, push because we have, of course, uh, teams across continents that will forever have to be remote um, or at least remoting into from another office Um, and thankfully. Um, for us, most of our, our team is actually in Stockholm, so they're at the office um, and we still want to make sure and include and we're very, very keen on making sure that um, people that are remote actually get included because it, it's one thing that, you know, being a part of a meeting, you can't really express your thought. That's frustrating immediately, but then that will grow into a more long-term concern and maybe even unwillingness to participate because in the end, you don't get to say. Uh, And if that is a tool issue, it should be solved uh, by getting better tools. And, of course, workflows are incredibly important here, too.
0: Um, Fascinating topic so far. Julius, can we jump to you?
3: Sure. I think we touched on this a little bit already, but I think an important part of this is, like, how do we build and maintain, maintain our culture when we have shifted to a work from home and Now shifting to either going fully back to the office or hybrid, depending on the company. Because, you know, when you're at the office, this becomes a lot easier in that you have like a personal physical contact with everyone there. And you can kind of build the culture that way by having physical events and, you know, talking about your values when you're physically there. But then when we're working from home, it's easy to get detached from that, especially with new hires, because... At least we as, we at Avalanche have hired a bunch of people during the year and a half that we've been working from home, and then making sure that they get also into this cadence of things has been, I think, challenging. Um, we have, of course, worked towards that. I think with every project, it's a little bit different, but we do have company-wide, you know, meetings fairly regularly where we we've been sharing, uh, you know, cross-project work, to the values, uh, how the company is is doing and evolving, etc. So I would just love to hear from everyone else on what their thoughts are on that.
1: Yeah, Uh, Anders here. I mean, I think the key, I think I touched upon it earlier, but I think it's to not just focus on work. It's to focus on after work or Fika in the Swedish word. Uh, Other ways that that allows you to interact with your colleagues without having to talk work, talk whatever, or you as we are sitting home, group up and play online games together. Or there are also even more fun, I mean, smaller social games you can play on web even. I mean, if it's Pictionary-esque type, all those kind of things that sort of takes away the focus a bit from work. Because it's very easy that whenever you, even if you're working physically together, if you're doing something that's supposed to be non-work related, it's so easy to just slip into and talk about uh, the, the last thing you need to put in the build or whatever. Um, so it's it, so that's a constant. <laughs> that's a constant. Has it doesn't matter if we're if we're digital or if we're physical. It's going to be the same problem always. I mean, make sure people have things to do outside of work uh, and encourage it as well. Uh, I think that's the that's the key. Uh, from that part. And when it comes to culture and, and, and new hires and those stuff, body system can help having them team up uh, and making sure that they, they're not forgotten or that we routines are forgotten to, to be, be told about, make sure you document a lot. All the routines you have should be somewhere on, on, on a easily read up page. So, so if there are no one around to ask, or you just suddenly 1am in the morning, Romy wonders what happens with that one. You could always, uh, uh, read up on it somewhere. So I think those, there's there's multiple things. Uh, but then again, going back to what we started being, you need to think about it. You need to be mindful about it as as, as a manager or, uh, yeah.
4: I absolutely love the topic of culture. It's been something that I've paid a lot of attention to since I first started out in the industry, I remember working at Chrome Studios, we were working on Star Wars The Force Unleashed and it was so cool and you could just feel this very, um, it was, you know, that family feeling of everyone getting together and working on a game on a license that we all really loved. Um, and so when I started looking at uh, the culture was when the company started growing really fast. One of the other studios had shut down and our company was in a good position so we acquired them to give all the other Aussies, you know, jobs and and bring them into the family But when you bring outsiders in, they're coming from uh, and to, to bring them into the family and to make them part of your tribe. They're also bringing the culture with them. And that can be wonderful. It brings new perspectives, new ideas, but it can also be really hard to keep hold of the culture that you've established that has been working really well, because you now need to give it time for new people onboarding to start to learn. And there are like three different ways that, you know, we tend to define culture um, there are these artifacts, which are the things that we sort of see in our office, in our physical space. It's how we talk. It's how we dress. It's the manners that we have. Um, it can be very cultural in that way. Then there is our beliefs and our values that we all have. Um, at Star Stable, for example, we're very strong and high with our values. Um, we have our monetization principles and things like that that need to be transferred with it. But these are you know, things that you can that the culture aspires to be, things that we really want to have for ourselves. And it's really important to define that. But the third one is the underlying basic assumptions that we all sort of bring in with us. These are the unconscious bias that a lot of us aren't even aware that we really have. Um, I'll try not to go too deep into that. It's a real passion topic of mine, but it is something that is absolutely critical that we pay attention to, and we start to try and define them and share them with each other. It gets a little bit harder again when we're working online and we can't see it and we can't feel it. You have to be a lot more conscious and deliberate about it. Um, my personal uh, approach to this is trying to not grow too fast to try and make sure that everyone gets to be seen and heard and spoken to and that you allow time for these relationships to develop into culture, even if it starts to evolve over time. But just being aware of it, especially, you know, the unconscious biases that we all have and digging into that topic a little bit deeper I think can give us all a really good chance to have a great culture.
2: Uh, I wholeheartedly agree too. So uh, uh, Victor here h- hoping in for the the fun round. Um, so I think um, what, what Anders mer- mentioned here first is also that after work in Sweden is a noun. You go to an after work, which in English is seems quite foreign, but um, I think it's it's very important, a challenge what we have after works. Maybe too many times a week, um, and we've had that, you know, across the the pandemic as well. Obviously, not necessarily as much, but um, I think in 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 every single company, you have a couple of people who are really passionate about the office culture. Maybe a bit more so. They will be the champions of 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 the office culture. I myself make all of the office memes. Um, and as such, my actual hack big project was to add memes to a certain part of our platform. Uh, and we hope to to also ship that very soon. <laughs> um, but the point also is that these people that are championing that uh, were also the people who made sure that we had similar, you know, equal activities in Discord. Uh, in particular, um, our product manager at the time um he um dressed up in a full kind of like lobby receptionist type of like traditional like halloween costumey um put groovy in there played some hotel lobby music and greeted everyone coming into the to the office uh, after party online and i think that i mean obviously i'm bringing it up here so it was a very special moment and it was very nice and i think that um really like like as an employer letting those people you know enable them, give them budgets, make sure that they help you um, both in including people, but also in making sure that the office culture is healthy. Well,
0: Excellent. And uh, last but not least, again, uh, Rumi, if you want to lead with your next statement and question.
4: yeah. So the next thing that I was really interested in hearing from you about is what are some of the tools that you're using, especially since we've gone to working from home? Um, are some of these things that you were already using in the office place, but what new tools have emerged? Are the ways that you're using those tools different now that we're all working more remotely? Um, and why do you choose these particular tools over some of the other ones that you might have had available?
1: Yeah, I'd say the biggest thing to find for us were, was um, a good way to talk to each other. I mean, there, and there came up a bazillion tools of them, Zoom, Google, all those, Uh, but we ended up using Discord, Uh, Mainly because they allow you a better stream rate. And When we checked out how, how, um, how the quality on streams were and to, to be able to see a really small text, if you're going to do code reviews, or if we are a few of us want to look at that Excel sheet and not use font size 500. there are ways to do it and, and many of the other ones were not really working when you're getting up to 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 more people than four or five so that was one of i think the biggest changes uh on our end i mean we already had slack uh and similar tools to to send the text uh so that was more that we needed to think about how we use those tools and then as you mentioned miro is a very good but i guess there are others as well for online uh, whiteboards, to so we'll be able to look at other content and streams together and actually work together in in a, in, a, in a good way. Post-it notes on the wall works perfectly there. I think those three are the main things we use that that maybe we didn't use in the same way before.
3: Yeah, Julius here. I, I echo on, on what Anders was saying and for us, it's Slack. We use Slack for our communication. And a lot of it was learning to use Slack in a a different way because, you know, at the office, you have a lot of small conversations and spontaneous conversations that happen between people. But then people can jump in because they're around you and they're like, oh, I should jump into this conversation. Or you can just go pull someone and say, hey, we're talking about this thing. Could you join us? But online, this becomes more difficult. And when we first moved to work from home, we noticed that a lot of information was getting lost because people would have DMs with each other or like a small group, but then no one else can see those conversations. So it was then pushing people to communicate more in channels. Even though it's a one-to-one conversation about a particular topic, still it's good to have that in, a, in an open channel where other people can jump in if they're like, oh, I have input here, or people can be pinged and be like, hey, your input here is needed. It's I think with Slack it was... That was one thing, learning kind of how to use it differently so that those in-office situations could be transferred online and that information wasn't lost. It took us it took us some time to get used to and adjust to it, but I think now we're quite good at it. And then, yeah, Miro is great for, for whiteboarding-related stuff. Um, I also found that for art reviews, videos are great because – if you're reviewing stuff like art, um, a lot of the streaming services that you would use, like Google uh, Hangouts, the streaming quality is not very good and it's gonna be very choppy if you're trying to look at something. Looking at a video together can be a lot easier from that perspective. Like you have a video it to everyone, start looking at, at the same time. That can be a way to get around that.
2: I think that um, one of the, the the most important, I guess, tools isn't really a tool. It's, um, trying to agree with people how to work remotely and and learning how to do so um for us we're using exactly the same tool set as before um except for i guess the the new suite conference room setup that we have Um, but i mean it's it is effectively the same the the weight of the synchronous communication became a lot higher um the um, like we have quite young employees I think across the board I think in eSports that's just the case um, and for them you know this is the first time that they were also kind of forced to work from home um, both in the development side of, but also operations so you know using Jira as everyone has a love-hate relationship with um, and the entire Atlassian suite of products you know actually writing up Confluence pages saying hey this is all the information you'll need but um, I don't think we're ever going to be able to simulate to 100% exactly what it will be to be in an office. You, You are going to miss out on information unless you specifically make the effort and you're aware and you're made aware and you're continuously working on the process of hey I need to actually post this in the you know in the general and say you know project chat or the the open channel and I should feel that if I do that uh, I might not even need to take ownership of this I'm informing people and people know what that means
1: um, yeah yeah uh, under serious but to some extent I think we even get better information sharing while being not in a physical office because as both Julius and you mentioned, when we work in an office you sort of can on an off chance tell two people that about something important and then they, they go fix it or they go address it or they start working on it but then it can either slowly disappear into forgetness or anybody else who might have something input to do it wouldn't know about it but since we now put everything on slack or any other media uh, it becomes sort of a, a a, a better way to sort of get the history of what happened and, and how do we get here and what what do everybody know what we're talking about now. The other flip side of that coin that we noticed and, and that we had to discuss is how do we write on Slack? As I think Julius mentioned, is that we're using a lot of threads now instead, because in the beginning we all just hammered on the keyboards and you could basically see the the text scroll by and it's like wait what was that? I don't know important and there's a, it's it's important stuff mixed with okay cool yes. Uh, uh, so now we, we're trying to uh, encourage as much as we can for everybody to use threads. Because then you get topic, topic, topic. And then if it's not something you really care about you know, that doesn't uh, impact you, you could just skip it over. Or if you want to participate in the, the discussion, that's a thread for you. Uh, so so um, uh, I think that's, that's also an interesting learning in that it feels that, oh yeah, we use this tool already. Let's continue to use it. It will be easy as before. But no, because the way we work is different now, when we all are more or less 100% remote.
2: And I wanted to just uh, jump in there again, uh, Victor, here, that that um, that's kind of the point I was trying to make, and that we're relearning how to use the same tools. Um, if you're, I mean, we still have the problem that some people just seemingly refuse to take notes. And if you refuse to take notes, and you don't if you're not exceptionally well at keeping it in your head then inevitably you will lose some depth in what you're conveying um and when we were remote on the other hand you you had to write it down like you like there was no other way of, of communicating unless of course you hopped on discord and you tried to emulate that again but so like it is of course um an issue of, of like with two sides either yep. you get forced to write all of the information or you kind of get away by not doing it. So you still you still have to always keep that in mind. I agree. Yep. It's funny Did how some
4: see? of it. Oh, sorry. Oops, Go ahead, sorry. Thanks. <laughs> it's, I just going to say it's funny how some of these are still the exact same issues we could face in person. One that just came to mind from your conversation there was about how you know, easy it is online for us to take conversations in private and make decisions and forget to sort of share that with everyone. But that could also happen in the physical office where we're just making conversations, chatting with a couple of people, but maybe not everyone was included in the room. And I think that's something we need to be mindful of, you know, in whichever setup that we have. Um, for a couple of tools, though, that I just wanted to to share that hadn't been touched upon. So one is when it comes to monitoring team health, and the team mood, there were a couple of tools that I found were really useful. Um, One of them is actually called team mood and it was really cool because you could set it up with Slack where every day team members would just get um, a little question pop up saying, how are you feeling today? And it was like five little smiley faces you could click on. Um, And over a period of time, you could start to see trends and patterns that were occurring about the, the morale of the team and you could start to pinpoint key events and things. And you could start to see were little initiatives that we had making an impact on this or not found that really helpful, but that's over a longer period of time. Another one that I use for keeping an eye on my teams um, for their team health is a tool called Team Retro. And that's where we could sort of set up. It's really visual, very simple, nicely laid out, and allows the team to sort of engage and run team health checks. How are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about that? And come together with a list of it. It's also a really good tool for for retros, but there are so many of those as well. another thing though I found really really important especially because we're not in the office and you know I'm not I'm typically sitting in the middle of my team so I can hear all these conversations going around and I can sort of step in and say hey you guys you need to talk to these people that were talking about it too and it could happen more organically now working from home I sort of don't get that opportunity so it becomes really more important that we are very clear about what we're working on who's involved when they're working on it and and yeah and when um And so i like really good planning tools and the two that i tend to use you know we've used jira a lot um, but i just wanted to mention as well you could check out tools like favro which is sort of it's like trello and it's more visual and friendly and my artists always tend to love this one but what's important about it isn't even the tool itself it's just the ability to make sure that the artists can improve their own pipelines themselves. You know, if you've got a tool where they have to go to a manager or to someone in IT to change the way that their board is set up, you're creating some sort of friction that's, you know, really doesn't need to exist if the person can be in charge of their own workflow and monitor their tasks and tweak it themselves. Kind of like just having a physical Kanban board. Um, But the reason why I would uh, want people to check this out instead is because you get to have multiple boards on it so you can sort of customize it to what you need and that's been one of the tools like we can do a lot of iteration about our workflow and processes um the other one as well is like dividing because we do asset development which can be quite predictable and quite you know you're always repeating the same steps you're producing the same kind of characters or the same kind of weapons repeatedly it's having the same workflows um and so for complex pipelines, I like to use a tool called Handsoft. And that allows me to grab, you don't have to use it all the time, but, or you could find a similar tool, but it's the ability to be able to get your team together and sit down and really flesh out, like these are all the different steps. Um, and you'll find that they organically tend to go, oh, I forgot about this one, I forgot about that one. And just mapping it out really clearly and encouraging that conversation where everybody says, okay, in order for me to start rigging this asset, I need to have the dimensions and proportions locked down. And a lot of this kind of tends to happen in teams just organically, it sort of flows. I've had people that would say, oh, we just kind of do it and then we put it in and it doesn't work and then we figure out why and we hand it on and you wouldn't really make sure that you get out of that um, place. I mean, this happens in the physical or remotely, but just having a tool that can help facilitate that discussion where everyone can sort of see the pipeline come together um, online like if you're sharing your screen i think that's a really really valuable thing that's helped improve productivity a lot for me
0: did you have a point to make julius just before
3: i did oh yeah it was about um anders who were talking about like information not being a- actually more shared now that we're working online and i think i agree with that because those informal conversations that happen within the studio they can be kind of detrimental if you have a multi-site development team which i have had think since i worked at ubisoft like i think every project we had like several locations and then when you have those organic conversations and if that information is not shared and there's there isn't that discipline of sharing conversations heavily then that can become a problem where important information doesn't get shared but now that because we're all online we have to share that information so i i just wanted to chime in and say i agree
4: oh i actually have another point on that as well is the massive amount of information that's coming through another thing that we've noticed is information overload where everybody is just getting fatigued from the amount of information we can hold a presentation and share a decision and i think we've done it like three times and we still get people asking what happened to this what happened to that when we've shared it before We've got so much to share and so much to tell. And I don't know that everyone's always able to absorb everything that we give them. So it's really important that we pay attention to that. And um, I suppose we don't have a whole lot of time to go into it right now, but pay attention to information overload and look into ways that you can help make it easier for everybody to actually absorb. It's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to tell. You need to make sure that people can actually understand and that they can actually apply that information. Part of that comes down to being very clear about what messages that you are trying to communicate in any sort of given meeting or um media that you're sending out to people what do you really need them to remember when they leave this if there's only one or two things what do you want them to know
0: excellent excellent um so Let's wrap it up there, then. Uh, I thought we had some really interesting conversation there. So if you are interested in participating in the next podcast, then email me at jordan.lound at nordicscom uh, And thank you, everyone, again, for listening. Thank you for being our participants. And we'll see you all next time.